Welcome to 2021, where time travel isn't a thing. We would travel to the future, get technology and design pioneers from 2050 to teach us how to build a brilliant tomorrow. But that's against the rules of physics. Instead, we bring you the pioneers of today, tech enthusiasts, creatives, entrepreneurs, and listen to their individual stories, their purpose, and how they became the change makers they are today in their industry, and learn about what inspires them and how they function. This is the See You Tomorrow podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're talking with Jonathan Harrell, who's originally from Jerusalem. That's so. Hey, nice to be here. Living in Barcelona. That's also true. Very great to be here. And you are a data scientist. That's also true. Working with the latest project for Harbour Space Leagues of Code as a professor. That's correct. Enjoying every moment. <laughs> and you've also founded two startups. That's questionable. Um, I, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't actually start any company yet. I just worked on some side projects for my own. Okay, but that's starting something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you can call it that, yeah. And also you're about to embark on a new journey with a startup. That is correct. I am looking for a new place these days. Uh, so I've been talking with a lot of startups uh, in Israel, in, in the States, trying to find a place where I can kind of continue to develop professionally and improve my skills. So that's kind of exciting. Been a, a few busy days recently, a lot of calls, a lot of uh, talks with people. Everything is going quite fast. Right. So even in today's um, economy, you're able to find, you know, projects. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the economy, yeah, COVID and everything and everyone is slowing down and a lot of things close. But there are always people who are innovating and are trying to create new stuff that still works and still have the funding. We got to keep moving. Definitely. So it's not like that everything is on hold. No, exactly. Yeah. So what brought you to Barcelona? Well, I actually found out about Harbour Space quite by chance. Um, I was learning online on Coursera and other learning e-learning platforms. And one day I got a link to a competition in Russia uh, for data science, a data science Olympiad. And I was interested. I went to my office at the time and I told my colleague like, hey, look, there's this competition. It's in Moscow. Let's go. Like, let's win this. Let's bring the trophy home. And we started, we started like trying the, the challenge that they gave. We tried some solutions and we eventually actually made it to the final. Mm -hmm. We got to Moscow and in Moscow, I learned about Hubble Space, which was one of the sponsors of the competition. Mm -hmm. And the more I looked into it, the more I researched online about the place, about the values, the way it works. And I was hooked. I understood that this is the place for me. And a few months later, I think half a year later, I was already in Barcelona. So wow. it was, uh, was uh, kind of by chance, but also uh, an amazing, an amazing uh, st strike of luck. I don't know if that's a phrase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Harbour Space brought you to Barcelona. And did you know that you wanted to, you know, study to be, was that your path, your career path to be a data scientist? Yeah, it's something I was very interested in. Um, I did four years in the military, in the intelligence, uh, where I served as a data analyst. And I always liked working with data, extracting meaningful insights. I mean, it sounds like I'm reading out of my CV, but it's actually something that I like to do. I mean, it's, it excites me that I can understand something out of, out of raw data. And then suddenly there's an insight and we can do something about it. 
And after I was released, I started studying on my own to become a data scientist, to extract even more value and give more value to the companies and the people I will work for and the things that I will do. Uh, so for me, when I saw HarborSpace and that they have data science track, it was, it was natural. It was natural for me. Okay, nice. And, you know, you've sort of compared creativity with being, a, you know, studying coding. How, wh where do you see the parallel between being an artist and being a data scientist? Or So I think actually Barcelona is a cool city to, to, to give as an example. Because if you, walk, if you walk on the streets, on the main streets, Passage de Gracia, and you see the houses that Gaudi built, they are super creative. Like they are so out of the ordinary. You wouldn't see anything like it anywhere else. And it just, it just makes you rethink like the things that we can do with building. Suddenly you see this house and you think, wow, like why, why, why are we all building like these normal cubic houses? This is amazing. Like this is so cool. And technology is kind of the same and tech in general. Like we have the we have these massive like really impressive tools and things that we can do a lot of a lot of I don't know super useful products with and it just takes the creativity the person that will think okay this is what we need to do with it to create something that will make people stop and say wow this is actually fantastic like this is great super useful mm -hmm. um yeah it's kind of like a work of art yeah that's what I think yeah so you can do anything with it and and do you think it's important from a young age to to understand coding. Well, um, I would definitely teach my kids to code. I mean, the usefulness uh, that you get out of knowing even the basics is so much higher, like it's so, so much, uh, you get a lot more, uh, okay, just a second, I'll rephrase. Even if you just learn the basics of code, you get a lot more out of it. So after just learning, I don't know, one year of Python, I could do so many things for myself even if it was just like, uh, okay, filling out forms automatically online or trying to do something faster, doing some calculations, tests, anything that I wanted to check, I had the power of a computer, of a machine next to me, mm -hmm. and I could do so many, many more things that I couldn't do manually, uh, which was amazing. And I think also in today's world, everything is going towards technology. It's not going to stop anytime soon. I mean, and I hope it will not. Like, I hope it will just increase and increase and technology is going to be more involved in our lives. And if we want to understand the world around us, it's really important to understand the basics. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like, I think it should be like as, as in elementary school, they teach you math, the basic elements of math and, and languages and how to communicate. It's as integral in our lives. Mm. And I mean, coding is a bit like learning a new language. That's true, that's true. Actually, some of the languages uh, of coding are so similar to English. Uh, when they are more like uh, high level, you can read it and you can even understand, even if you are not a coder, you might actually understand what's what's happening over in this code, mm. um, which is great. Uh, yeah, it gives you access to, to many things. Yeah, it's kind of a middleman between, between humans and the machine, right? So the code should be understandable to us and understandable to the machine, uh, which, is, which is cool. Okay, and what sort of projects have you built where, you know, with coding? So you talked about I mean, we talked about that you created some startups, but explain some of the projects that you've built so far. So I think my favorite project um, was called AM, that's U-H-M-M-M. And that's a cross-platform software, which means it can run on any computer, on any operating system, uh, that connects to Zoom meetings. And whenever there's silence for too long, it starts playing elevator music. Now, obviously, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not uh, something that's 
supposed to be useful in any way. But it put a smile on some people's faces. And actually, I, I had a job interview the other day. And the guy called me and he's like, hey, Jonathan, I actually, I know you from before because I saw your arm project online and I really made me laugh. So good job. And it was, I like this project because like it's, it's a small idea. It's just to make people laugh. It's just to like, kind of like help them put a smile on people's faces. But the impact is actually way larger than I thought it'd be. Like I, I know that every day uh, hundreds of people visit the website and I know that people tell about it to their friends and I was just sitting in my room and coding something and now it's, it was like throwing a, a rock into a pond. So the waves are just expanding and I, I don't have to do anything now. Wow. Yeah. And so a lot of people are using it and finding it. Yeah, there were actually thousands of downloads until this day. Um, obviously it slowed down with time, but every time that like a media covered it, it was actually public, uh, it was actually um, covered in a Google's blog about like websites to notice and it was published on Product Hunt and actually we will see, we, we might win the, pro there's something like the Internet Products Oscars, uh, it's like a ceremony every year by Product Hunt and we are nominated. I mean, I, I'm nominated with them, and I hope um, we, we might win. It's a golden kitty. It's a very important prize for internet creators. Yes, actually, I, I saw that on your on your profile. Where where is the Golden Kitty Award? Where is it based? It's everything online. Uh, Product Hunt, I think, is based in San Francisco, like the most of the tech industry. Um, it's actually a very cool website. I mean, I really love it. Uh, people every people makers of of all scale publish their new products over there, so it can be me with my joke product and it can it can also be stripe uh, the large company who's releasing a new feature and they want people to know so a lot of people from the tech industry come there and they learn about new products new inventions things that people do it's a really creative place every day there are 15 new ideas 15 new things that people do and the the system is actually super nice because there's a voting method that the best ideas climb to the top uh-huh and eventually, like if you go there every day and you see new things, you see new ideas, new approaches that people take to use technology to make their life better, you learn about a lot of problems and about a lot of creative solutions. It's mm -hmm. super nice. So, and why do you think it's important to sort of find your why before creating the project? Well, um, taking a project, taking a project from the beginning until like you deliver it to many people, hopefully, uh, it takes time and it takes work. It's not simple. It's not like uh, you can create something in five seconds and it's done and perfect. And if you have your why, if you have the why do I want to do this? Why does it matter to me? It's easier to continue, even if it's like it's been like two months that you've been working on it. And now there's like this error and you, you understand that you have to like restructure the whole thing. You hit a wall. And if you don't have your why, then you, you might stop there. Mm -hmm. You might stop uh, there. But if you have the reason that pushes you forward, if you have something that you are like, okay, you know what, this product, I really want it to be out. I want people to use it. I know that it matters. It matters for my, my family. It matters for whatever. Then you will continue to work on it. Yeah. So, for example, the music project, um, OM, is it OM? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, did you feel there was a need for that in terms of, you know, killing the silence during sort of Zoom chats and what have you? Well, to be honest, I, uh, I don't think that's the biggest problem with meetings. I do think that someone needs to solve meetings. Right now, online meetings are really, are really bad. Like nobody enjoys them so much. They take too long. I saw this tweet um, of this guy who said that he can't believe that the best feature on Zoom, which is the 40 minutes limitation, is actually given for free. 
So Zoom limits free meetings to 40 minutes. And this guy says like, you know what? How, how is it possible that this is like for free? I hate long meetings. Like this is the best feature ever. And yeah, meetings, meetings can get too long. People, something is not working. Something is not working. And with online meetings even more. So I guess there's a lot, there's, someone needs to do something about that. And the music in, sil music in long silences is just like a... Creating a bit of fun. Yes. Okay. But there's a, there's a larger problem underneath. Yeah, which is the meetings themselves. Right. What, in terms of the, the, the way they're put together or how, how do you see it? I can't put my finger on one reason only, but uh, I mean, I guess every third person that you will ask will say maybe something like every third or every fourth will mention a problem with online meetings. It can be like the, the <laughs> amount of overhead that you have to arrange them or the conversation dr drifting away. Um, people not joining in time. There are so many problems over there. Meetings are highly inefficient. Okay, so it's a way of like being more organized with meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, creating a bit more structure. Yeah. Yeah. And you also created another project, Ojas, no? Yeah, Ojos. Um, well, it's, uh, it's a word in Spanish, it means eyes. Eyes, yeah. And it was a capstone project. It started from, from a personal need, actually. Um, Ojos is a system that connects to security cameras or home cameras in the homes of elderly parents. And it helps the caregivers monitor after dangerous events. So let's say a fall or even a pot left on the stove, um, violence from external caregiver or other members or other uh, unknown persons. These events are actually more common than, than we would like to think. And they are very dangerous at a later age. So many people, um, they, they cannot visit their parents every day. They cannot come there every day. They cannot visit even every week. So they installed these cameras, hoping that they would like, okay, they would catch up on their parents, see what's, how are they doing, see that everything is okay. But mostly people install the cameras and then they just forget to check it. And in the moment of truth, they will not be able to actually see that something is happening. If a, if a fall happened, like you have to be really lucky that exactly in the same moment you were looking at the cameras and what's happening in the house. So for that reason, I thought, okay, let's use computer vision and let the computer analyze it 24 seven, always be on the camera, see what's happening. And if there's a fall, I will immediately be notified or violence or anything. I see. Mm -hmm. So it's a camera, which is basically has, um, it's just 24 hour surveillance. Yeah. So the camera is just placed at home. Uh, the camera is online all the time. So you don't need to, you can always shut it down, but like there's no point. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you should ask your parent first if they are okay with it because uh, it's a camera monitoring them 24-7. But in most cases, uh, if you need to put a camera, then you will do, like most uh, caregivers who need to put a camera, they will do it anyways. Um, it's, it's already like a level of... A level of yeah, surveillance. So, yes, but I mean like the, the parents are already at a certain point where not putting a camera, not installing a camera is... Is, is risky. Okay. So, so yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I have seen cameras for, for, you know, keeping an eye out on the older generation for problems like this. But are you creating something different? So yeah, actually, there are many people who I'm not the first one to have thought about it. Many people try to approach it with different uh, attitudes, different technologies, like sensors, um, necklaces, many different things that can be applied. But I didn't see a solution that suited my needs. So for example, there's a company doing exactly what I wanted to do, but you have to pay a gigantic subscription fee. So uh, hundreds of dollars a month 
and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, well, why? Why should I pay so much when I can buy a camera for $50? I mean, it's 2021. I should be able to connect with code to my camera and do whatever I want. It turned out to be not so simple because uh, camera manufacturers keep their products closed. They don't want people to mess around with the camera. Uh, but I thought when I came into this project, I thought, okay, I mean, we are living basically in, in an age where everything is digital. I can connect to my fridge with code. So why can't I connect to my camera? Uh, but it, it was more, it, it was harder than I thought. Okay. Is it still in, I mean, at your office, is it still out there as a product? So the code is out there. It's online. Everybody can access it on GitHub and take it from there if they want to. I put it on hold and uh, now while I'm looking for another place, um, actually after working, about, working on it for five weeks at CERN, the European Research Center, um, I decided to kind of slow down uh, because the business potential in this, in this product was not as high as I thought. Uh, so I put it on hold, uh, even though I, I myself need something like that. Yeah. But I will wait for a better opportunity or a better team to work on it. Okay. It's harder to work on it alone. I see. So you need to work with, with other people on, on your projects. But you like to create a positive impact through your work. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think... So when I was in high school, I had a, a mentor, instructor, and he was a Buddhist, and I really took a lot, for, a lot from him. And one of the things that I, I have like in my room and I see every day is that the, the meaning of what we do here is just to have a positive impact on, others, on other people's lives. So to make people happy, to contribute in some way. And I think that if the, the best way that I can do it as a tech person is to create something that people will, will be happy about. And the beautiful thing about tech is that you create, you write your piece of code here in a room in Barcelona and tomorrow it will be all over the world and people from Singapore, the States, Germany, everywhere. Uh, it got to them in a second, you know? They, yeah. I don't even have to go there to, to sell my... My product, if it's good, people will take it. Yeah, you're creating an impact. Yeah. And is that your purpose, do you feel, to create an impact through, you know, data, being a data science? Yeah, I mean, oh, well, I never thought, oh, this is my purpose. This is what I'm about to do in this life. But if you are asking me now, if let's say in 80 years, I would look back and I would say, oh, I did a lot of positive impact with tech, I would be very pleased. Okay, good. And ment mentoring, you mentioned this Buddhist. I'm quite interested about that. How did you come across him? I was actually, so my high school was a dormitory, was a dormitory, so every group, every class uh, that In Jerusalem? There, yeah, uh, had a mentor, like uh, an instructor, mentor, and this person accompanied us from the beginning, from like the ninth, 10th grade until, until you leave after the 12th grade. So always checking up on you, how are you doing, what's your state? I mean, it's important when kids go to a dormitory school. Mm. That someone is their like big brother or yeah, looking parent. after you, yeah, mm -hmm. looking out for you. Yeah. So this guy, he he chose to go and become a guide, like to to do education, and he was working with us for three years. Afterwards, he actually uh, went to Tibet, and now he's helping uh, one Dalai uh, translating things from Tibetan to English, and this is life work. Wow. So he was your mentor. Yes. Okay, and you sort of look to him for advice, basically. Yeah. And do you have a mentor now? So these days, I would say that uh, I'm, I don't have one mentor, uh, but I know a lot of people that I come for different advice. Um, I know that it's very common in the tech bubble 
to have a mentor. And it's actually very recommended by many successful people. You just, uh, you find someone that you look up to and you try to get them to work with you or to help you and guide you. There's a lot of value in mentorship. I mean, with this conversation, I'm thinking, why don't I have a mentor? Why don't, why don't I go out there and just find someone? I mean, come on, Jonathan, you know that it's valuable. But then who inspires you in your, in your daily life, in your work? Well, there are many people. I mean, from time to time, I think about, like, who is the person that I admire or the person that I think, like, wow, this person is, like, doing amazing. And obviously, there are, like, these tech figures, like Elon Musk and everything. This is, like, the normal answer. But there are also many people that I think are, like, kind of underrated and can also be like taken as a figure in even in tech. So let's say Will Smith, not that he's underrated, but I think his persona and the way, the way that he works and the way that he lives can also be like taken into the world of tech. He's very like, uh, I know he has a lot of grit. He like, his life went up and down so many times and the way that he's kind of like a self-entrepreneur. He built himself, this was the product and his music, his movies, everything. I really, I think he's, way of living, the way he acts and the way he does stuff is super inspiring. Mm-hmm. He's always reinventing himself. Always, always, always. And he's also like a funny guy, which is a, which is a, is a positive, no? it's a positive thing. Mm. I like it. Yeah, yeah, because you like humor. Is, is that important to you? I love humor. Yeah, I actually, well, um, this is a, would have been a funny story, but uh, it wasn't. <laughs> well, okay. I, some, with one of the friends I met here in Hubble Space, uh, we went to like open mic uh, stand-up nights and we, we kept telling ourselves, look, we can do it. You know, we can, also, we can also make like one comedy night, try to do some stand-up. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a disaster. It was a disaster, complete disaster. Super difficult. I mean, I, I thought writing code is hard, but writing good jokes is insanely much harder. Yeah, because you have to be spontaneous and mm-hmm. to get the audience's attention. Yeah, exactly. In a spontaneous way. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if this is something I will turn to in the next few years. I'll stay with code for now, uh, but maybe in the in the longer future. What, in, do you want to become a comedian? Or yeah, I, I think, I will, to be honest, I think that comedians have like the, the best impact that the, that the person can have. They... People pay them, people come to see them to have a good time and to laugh. Like this is a, so this is amazing. Like how, what's, what's a better job than to make people smile? Absolutely. And is that important to you in terms of, you know, your values every day? I mean, how do you sort of live your life in terms of your values? Well, I like, I like making people smile. I, I enjoy it. I try to, I think, but as a value, I would say I would try to avoid to avoid conflict and to avoid uh, any negative scenarios. There's no, I don't see any point in being angry or it just, it doesn't contribute to anything. It's better to live life happily and just to, you know, kind of like go with the, go with emotions, try to enjoy the ride. Okay. And any other values that you live by? Apart from making people smile or laugh? Um, well, I would say be a good person. Um, there are many, there are many behaviors that obviously, like you see, and you say, "Oh my God, this is like horrible." And so, one thing is try to do good, like try to make people smile, but also avoid doing harm or avoid doing bad stuff. Um, I never thought about like a specific value, but mm. I think these two are good things to have. Yeah, well, it's good to live by your values. 
And, you know, tell us about, you know, in terms of work, your working life, what are the sort of challenges that you've come across in, you know, in your working life? Have you, is there anything that's really taught you how to, you know, kind of improve your, your, you know, work ethic or, you know, do things in another way from challenges that you've experienced? Yeah, actually, I think most of my work ethic, if not everything, came from the military. So it was a very... It was a different, very different world to high school. So in high school, you play around, you're with your friends, you know, like there's homework, tests, exams, but nothing is really like, nothing is concrete, nothing has real world impact, you know? Okay, so you get an 80 instead of a 90 or 70 instead of a 90. Okay, so, so what? You can't, you can't even feel it. Mm. And then I went to the military and there's a very big difference if you do your job right or if you don't do your job right. Like there's, there are, eventually there are lives on the line, mm-hmm. on the line. Um, so there I had a commander and she, she is the person that actually, I, I believe, like taught me how to work and how to be a professional at the workplace. And I really owe it to her. I think about it a lot, actually. And that's a woman. That's a woman. Yeah. She is, she is amazing. I think she's one of the smartest women I've met or even people I've met. Wow. Let me rephrase it just so that it wouldn't be like that. I think she's one of the smartest people I've met. Okay. Why did, why were you so inspired by her? Um, well, not a lot of times you meet someone that you see that they are hardworking, but it's not like they are forcing themselves to work hard. They are just hardworking. It's, uh, it's inherent in them. They work hard. They know what they want. They, they are smart. They are sharp. They know where to go. Mm. And it's just, so, it's just who they are. It's not like they are trying to put on a show. It's, it's literally the person. This, mm-hmm. is, this is who they are. And it's really like... You know that it's not like you're going to arrive to the office one day and your boss will be like, eh, you know what, forget about the goals for Q3, like, heck it. It's just like the person is always there and always with their mind focused on, on some direction, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And I guess w- over time, I learned to become more like that. I wouldn't say that I'm as good at it as she was or she is. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that I aspire to be. Yeah. Were there many women in the military? Yeah. Well, in the intelligence, it's not, uh, there's no difference. It's more about like how you think and who you are rather than gender. Okay, mm. nice. So they're, they're open to both, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in terms of like your daily routine, do you have like daily routines that you do in the morning to start your day? So I'm, a, I'm not a big routine person. I do like, uh, I think there are some things that I do that I like. I don't know if they are considered like, you know, like, uh, okay, I meditate, I, not things like that. But when I go to my favorite, my favorite coffee place in Barcelona, then I think it's, it's somewhat, it's helping me to start my day like in a calm way. So I know that there's this thing that I like to do and I always start my day with something positive, even if it's just like, okay, I buy coffee at a local shop. So it's, where's, where's your favorite coffee place? Oof, there are many. <laughs> I don't want them to listen to it and then <laughs> judge me. But the place I go to the most is called the Roast Club Cafe. Roast? Roast Club. Oh, the Roast Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are, yeah, they are super cool and they bring coffee from all over the world. So it's, it's really like, they really, they really love what they do. Even the, like from the manager to the, bar, to the barista. They, they, they basically serve with love. That's true. That's true. Yes, exactly. Which I think is important. <laughs> yeah. And is there any books or music that you're inspired by that you're reading right now or listening to? So there's uh, music that I really like. Well, actually, it's more the artist that inspires me. Um, it's Rosalia. She's from, she's from here. She's from oh, Catalonia. I know. And 
I think what's really amazing about her, besides the music, of course, that I really like, um, is that she kind of made it on her own, you know? She, she, she decided that she wants to do it, and she recorded her first album, and she recorded her second album, and she did it, you know? She, she just went with what she loved, and she dedicated all of the time and the effort and, and her will. She wrote the lyrics, she did the, the composing, everything, and she made it, you know? She made it. She, like, her, the thing that she did was really, really good. And how, how old is she? She's 27, I think. Like, she's, a, she's my age, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just a symbol, you know? Like, she, um, she could have stopped at any point along the way and say, ah, there's no way. Like, who can release an album these days without being, like, super... She could have stopped at any point along the way, but she didn't. She, she did it. And wow. that's amazing. It's super inspiring. Yeah. Uh, even as a tech guy. Like, I, I look at her and I'm like, you know what? I should keep, I should keep coding tonight. <laughs> you know, I should keep working on that thing. Keep working and yeah. and yeah, so she gets she's a good example of someone who doesn't give up. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, and she, when she believes in something. Yeah, and that's that's good. I think it's a, I think it's an incredible example when you think about it. Yeah, and then what about books? Are you reading any books at the moment? That yeah, so I'm reading. Um, well, it's a classic book. It's called the uh, High Output Management. I'm not a manager right now in my professional life, but I think the examples that that are given in the book are really nice and help you understand kind of like the approach that uh, the author had towards life and towards his work, which is super nice. Um, I would say that like the book that I think inspired me the most uh, is by Dale Carnegie, uh, How to uh, Make Friends and Influence People. Uh-huh. Sometimes I, I, I go back to this book and I reread it once in a while. And sometimes when I read it, I'm like, wow, like why is why people like people don't don't even estimate correctly how important is just the connections that you make with people it is it means way more than like your cv or your or your i don't know professional history if you have the right connection with the right person that's that's all that matters like we are just people over here exactly it's all about building good relationships yeah and you know helping each other you know and on on the subject of that what is your interpretation of collaborate collaboration versus competition well it's a difficult one um, okay, so I think um, in Hebrew, I think we say that the only type of, of good jealousy, I don't know the, the, the term in English, but I will, I'm just going to go with like a literal translation, is uh, the jealousy between authors. That authors look around and they see another author about to finish their book, so they write faster and they make more, they make more work and they try to write more. And I do think that it's good like to be on this side of competitiveness, that you... You know that you want to be first, you want to do something better, you want to give the people the, the better book, the better product. That's amazing. That's really good. I wouldn't want competitiveness to be involved in everything in my life. Um, I mean, life is not a race, eventually. Uh, the, the good race to be, to, to, to be in, the good, ra- the good, mm, the, a good place to, to be competitive is in... Who can serve the better? Who can be? The, who can deliver the biggest value? Who can be the the best one? Right. Mm. Um, if it's serving others, then it's great. Um, what is it, was competition versus uh, collaboration? Collaboration. So, yeah, you talked about the importance of working with other people as well. Yeah, I am a big fan of collaborations. I think. Well, I I don't think I mean okay, working solo, you can get a lot done. You have your own boss. Um, but actually working solo, for my experience, and uh, the first job that I had after the military, I was alone in my data team, and it's, it's harder. You don't get to bounce ideas. You don't get the opinions of others. Um, 
we also have another phrase that says that the knife can only get, uh, you can only sharpen a knife using another. You can't sharpen a knife only with itself. You need another piece to make the, the metal sharper. So only when you collaborate with someone else, when you get access to another mind, they, uh, they ask you questions, you ask them questions, you can get to a better solution, to a better product, to a better anything. Yes. Uh, which is super cool. I think collaboration is, has place in everything, in every aspect in our lives. Yeah. Two minds is better than one. Exactly. And, you know, last year, obviously, we had you know, 2020, which was quite a, a challenging year. What was your biggest learning from it? That's a difficult question. <laughs> well, a lot of things happened, even though it was a challenging year. So even though we were stuck at home, um, I think I, I managed to do more sports than I ever did. I managed to, to write some, to write arm, to deliver that. I worked on, on Ojos, that pro, those projects. Ojos, yeah. So these things happened regardless of like the outside world and what's happening out there. And I think the, the biggest thing, thinking back, is that maybe like uh, the things that we do don't, don't have to depend 100% on the things outside, on the situation outside. Like there's a lot, mo- a lot going on internally. Yeah. And if we set our mind to something, we can do it. Maybe despite of the of the situation, yeah. Uh, so I guess like things are not uh, things are more depending on us than than we think so. Yes, I think it's uh, yeah. What you're saying is it's about looking inside, not not uh, from the outside, but looking what's inside. Yeah, yeah. And and you uh, were busy with like you know keeping f- fit, like doing like classes online, or what were you doing? So, well, it was hard staying at home all the time. So I tried to, I tried to keep like my body and mind in a good state. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like doing yoga. I like running. Uh, so when we were allowed to go out, I started running, but I found out I have a rooftop in my, in my apartment, which is super cool. So I went out up there to do some, some yoga, just to relax there and kind of change environment, not being in my room all day. Okay, very good. And from the, from the learnings, how, how will you take those forward into, you know, moving forward with your life how will you take the learnings from 2020 into your future so first off i would say that it's important to keep reminding yourself what you've learned because otherwise you just go on with your with the motions and you forget about it but i i'd have to keep reminding myself that it's more about what i'm deciding to do and more about me than the what other people circumstances yeah yeah um yeah and i hope that like in the next few years and actually in the rest of my life i will Keep that in mind and we'll always remember that it's all about like what I'm doing and what I put into it. Uh, we had a teacher in Hubble Space that always told us like what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. Uh, which this phrase has nothing to do with like what's happening out there. It's what you put in. That's like the, that's what matters. Exactly. Exactly. No pain, no gain. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, for the, so you're currently working for Leagues of Code and where, what else do you see yourself doing in the future? Well, I like the educational part in Leagues of Code. And to be honest, I'm, I, I like it a lot. And I started, even before Leagues of Code, I started working on a course that I want to create with a friend. We want to create an online course about riddles and problem solving, which is something that both of us like. We like the, the challenge in a riddle, the, the mystery, and like, oh, how can this be solved? It seems something that seems impossible. And then suddenly you see a solution and it's like, wow, you know, this is so, so elegant, so cool. It's actually possible. Uh, so we wanted to teach an approach towards riddles and problems 
that can help people um, become better at problem solving. And we are, actually, we are not the first to think that something like that is possible. A lot of mathematicians uh, wrote books about problem solving in math and how you should approach a mathematical problem. Of course, these ones are more uh, rigid and more like into the topic of math problems and specific things. But we think it can also be applied, this method, this technique, this way of thinking to riddles in real life, you know, riddles about like wolves and sheep and things like that. Leaders or re sorry, readers. Readers, sorry. readers. Okay. So basically teaching them how to solve problems. Yeah. Through and maths. Yeah. Through, yeah. And people believe, I think, well, that's what we believe, that people think that, okay, uh, only creative people can solve riddles. It's something that's like only a certain group of the population can do. Yeah. But, but we think it's everyone can do it. We think everyone can learn how to approach like a super difficult challenge and think in other ways how to solve it. Yeah. And bringing sort of different minds together to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think always, you know, when it comes to a team of people, then, you know, it, it, it helps more than just you solving the problem yeah. as an individual. Yeah. So you're going to create this course online. Yeah. We are actually working on it these days, creating the content. We will film it and edit it. And we hope that it will, that the right people, will, like the people that want it will find it. Okay. What do you, what do you see the, you know, the needs of today in terms of, you know, using coding? What can you, problems can you solve in the future? So I think there are more problems than people who can code the solutions to. That was a weird phrasing. There are more problems than people who can code the solutions. Um, there, are, there are many things that are not perfect. I mean, we have a lot of things that we, are, that we go on in with our lives and we say, oh, well, the, the bank is so slow. This thing takes two days. I have to go then to the city hall. So many processes are too slow, can be, can be really like made more efficient with the right technology, with the right tool. And we need people that can build these solutions that will make our lives easier. So. It's not even that there's one space that's lacking uh, tech. I think everything can be improved with technology. Yeah. So we just need the, we need people who can do it. We need people who can solve these can solve these problems. And more problems with arise, we need more people that can solve them. Yes. Okay. So you think that that will change over time? Uh, I think it will only increase. Like we will have. I don't think we will uh, ever reach a solution a situation where like you know everything is super perfect and like okay it's like heaven. Like this is a utopia, but like we are, we are trying to get there. We are trying to improve things, and the way to improve things the fastest is with its, with technology. Mm. And to do that, we need a lot of people who can code, who can create these solutions. Great, which is what you know, leagues of code is trying to build on, especially young women. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, actually, in my classes, I think half of the students are, are girls, uh, which is great. Nice. Which is great. Very good. Well, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure talking to you and learning a little bit about you and, you know, your, your life and, you know, where you're going with your life. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us on the See You Tomorrow podcast. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> this was another episode of the See You Tomorrow podcast, introducing you to brilliant minds and ideas. Find us on the YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, see you next Thursday. Yeah.